Hello and welcome to Rocket's Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Linode. I'm Simone DeRochefort. I am a senior video producer at Polygon.com and a member of Vox Media's union. Uh, and I'm joined today by Brianna Wu, Democratic candidate for Congress in the state of Massachusetts, and Christina Warren, senior cloud developer advocate at Microsoft. How are we doing? Woohoo! Very excited for your contract. <laughs> I'm so glad to be back. I missed the last two weeks of the show. Uh, once for just like kind of work contract madness. Like we we record on Wednesdays and the second to last Wednesday was the day before our walkout. And I was like frantically just trying to wrap up loose ends before yeah. Thursday and the walkout because I was like, ah! Uh, <laughs> and then the week after that was E3. Yeah, then you had E3. So we we spent like 45 minutes nerding out oh about E3 God. last week. We were super excited, but like you you weren't there because you had to be video boss um, back in New York City. But what was like your biggest highlight? Oh my God. I, I think honestly, Nintendo's Direct was my highlight because honestly, like everything was fine. There were definitely some standouts, but Nintendo was the only one who killed it all the way through for me. Like, there were so many games coming to Switch where I'm like, yes, hell yes, hell yes. Give me Link's Awakening. Give <laughs> me Zelda 2. Final Fantasy 7 Remake. Final Fantasy oh. I, oh, 7 sorry. Remake looks dope. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. Totally. Yes, it looks just... super dope. I had my opinions about oh. the, the gameplay and the, the team banter, uh, but I, I won't rain on your parade. Um, but the other, the, the standout for me, other than Nintendo's whole deal was Watch Dogs 3. Yeah. And p- maybe, maybe that's because everything else in Ubisoft's conference kind of sucked. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> they did not, like, come through for you. They are your favorite studio. Like They did not come through. Like, like They came through in the first 20 because they started with the Assassin's Creed Symphony. Right. Amazing. Then they came through with Watch Dogs 3, which actually looks incredible. Uh, I, my hopes had gone down for it when they made the announcement about... Uh, you can play as every single person in London. What? I was like, huh, I don't know about that. And then they showed how it worked. And I was like, oh, I do know about that. That looks so cool. I love Watch uh, Dogs. Did you guys talk about that last week? No, or we didn't. I we didn't talk about it at all. So yeah, no. I. But, uh, but, but then they, like, that was it. Yes. And then they went into another hour, solid hour of uh, military, like, hyper-realistic paramilitary shooters. Uh, and that was not fun for me. That was a boring time for me. Mm-hmm. So Right. You're a refined gal that much prefers just stabbing random people <laughs> from yes. rooftops in Greece as opposed to paramilitary simulations. You are pacifists like that, Simone. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I'll briefly talk about Watch Dogs 3 before we go into the big tech news of the week, just so Pack that I didn't grannies. just drop that and then leave it. <laughs> um, the way it works is that anyone in London can be recruited to the hacker organization. So it actually does make sense because there are people you can convince them to join you and then you can play as them because they are doing the same missions that your original character was. And there's freaking permadeath. So if your That's person dope. dies on a mission, you just pick it up as the next character. That's really dope. It looks so cool, you guys. But, but the coolest part of this is they had like a hacker granny going Helen. around committing all these GTA crimes. And it was amazing. It was so good. This retired <laughs> assassin, old lady, old English lady. It was so good. I was so happy. Um, but yeah, and then everything went downhill from there. Speaking of everything going downhill from there, let's slide right on into our first topic of oh, God. the week. 
Oh, I, I'm pulling out my notes. I, my, uh-huh. ang- my mic is at a weird angle to my notes, so this is going to be interesting for me. And I, but I really need my notes for this because Facebook is introducing a cryptocurrency that they have very kindly <laughs> named oh. after my sun sign, Libra. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about the Libran personality and what that means for Facebook. <laughs> but before we get into all of that crucial information, um, basically, they've announced this cryptocurrency. It's going to be managed. They're they're trying to put some distance between them and it by having it be managed by an association of tech and finance companies, one of which is a Facebook subsidiary called Calibra. Um, and as well as more uh, like banking companies like Visa and MasterCard are also involved in the Libra Association. Um, and it will run on a permissioned blockchain for the foreseeable future, which means that only companies in the Libra Association can mine it. They're saying right now that it will become permissionless eventually. Sure. Whether that is true or not, <laughs> sure, I'm sure. Is sure, for the future Jan. to decide? Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I'm, I'm sure they definitely want to give up, you know, control and and mm-hmm. information to people who are not them um, and are not part of their uh, cadre. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm positive that that's totally something they want. It's all extremely good and believable. And Facebook's track record of following through on promises to improve products uh, to help privacy and transparency, that that always works out. Well, I'm just really excited about, like, giving all my financial information and, uh, you know, over to Facebook and also yeah. like, using them as a bank. Like, I'm just really excited that the way that we get a decentralized, like, alternative currency is going to be through centralized social networks that right. are also, you know, kind of run by uh, by credit card companies and, and other forces. Oh, but, you know, don't have the, the consumer protections or uh, legal uh, protections of, of banks. I'm really excited about all of this. I think this is going to be really good for humanity, really good for all of us. And um, yeah. I think that... It really is one of those things that is not in, in Mark Zuckerberg's best interest at all. This is something that he's doing as a humanitarian. This is something yeah. that he's doing because wow. he really wants all of us to have, you know, an alternative way of paying things and not just for him to control his own, you know, currency. I'm getting some just negative vibes of both of you right now. Wow. Could you uh, could unpack can, can, that for can me? I say, can I say something about this? I, I am so worried about this, you guys, partially because I've been running for Congress. And like, if you go 20 minutes from my house, there's a little town, it's 30 minutes south of Boston, and they have just had to cut their library back to four days a week. They've had to cut their fire department back to four days a week. They've had to cut their police department back to four day a week. They have a $3 million uh, town shortage. And part of that is because they have no tax basis, like so Uh. many small towns all across America. So what I am personally excited about, Christina, is knowing that we can trust not just Facebook, but the the ethical partners like Uber that they're teaming up to, to, to ethically report their taxes and income when it cannot be externally audited to other partners. So it can be taxed and, uh, you know, we can have things like roads and firefighters and teachers. I'm really excited about that myself. Yeah, no, I think this is going to be really good. Uh, All of us clearly are just really excited about the potential here. Nothing could go wrong. Um, No, this this is a disaster. This is like 
could you be more tone deaf? And then already uh, what with the European Union, uh, France has already kind of come out and been like, hey, we're not kind of cool with this. Um, and and I believe that members of the House have have, have uh, voiced their concerns as well. Now, Nile Patel, uh, the editor in chief of The Verge, he on Twitter seemed to express uh, disbelief that Facebook didn't anticipate this sort of uh, backlash from regulators. I actually don't think that's true. I think they did. I just don't know if they've messaged that the right way. But even as as uh, little uh, faith as I have in, in a lot of Facebook's things, I don't think they're incompetent. That's kind of why they're so scary. Google's a similar situation. Like if they mm-hmm. were not competent, it wouldn't be so worrisome. So I have to think that that Facebook did anticipate some of this regulatory backlash. I just don't think they're doing a good job messaging it at all. And I also, you know, you have to kind of question like the timing of announcing this sort of stuff when they're already going through so much criticism. Although, I mean, I guess you could make the counter argument, which is, is it ever going to be a good time? Which, you know, the, I mean, the it might thing, never be. The thing about this is that obviously it, it's gotten so much support from outside companies, like you mentioned Uber, and earlier I mentioned Visa and MasterCard. And part of that, I'm sure, is because despite all the problems that Facebook has, people still have confidence in them as a business because it's hard to see a business that big completely crashing into the ground. And then part of it is also because of of concern, like worry, like better better to be in on this than to be outside of it. Better to have a a finger in the pie and have a little bit of control than to not. Um, And that's a very scary prospect to me because, of course, I don't trust any of these companies. And... um, Russell Brandom actually wrote a great piece on The Verge about trust and how that's been a foundation of cryptocurrency, essentially, is, well, we can't we can't trust all these outside institutions. What if we do this ourselves? What right. if it's completely decentralized from this huge power source? And of course, the great irony is that this this is, is the most centralized the power source. Well, that, that's why <laughs> that, that's why I, I I made that kind of flippant comment that, that what yeah. we really wanted from I caught it, that you know I caught that yeah what we'd wanted from a decentralized cryptocurrency was it to be centralized and in this case I mean I think you can make I think you can make a valid argument that the only way that crypto will ever take off in a massive way is if there is some sort of institutional backing now does that go against maybe the whole precipice. In a sense, it does, right? But that's also, that's been the foundation of any sort of, you know, network effects, right? Like, I think you can maybe have ways where you could have an admittedly anonymity involved and that sort of thing. But you you need to have some sort of kind of institutional backing to, to at least um, get get it used on, on, on widespread. The issue here, though, is that, you know, as, as uh, you mentioned at the, at the top, you know, the only people who will be able to, I guess, have access to this ledger and be able to, like, you know, write to this, you know, blockchain are people who are part of this consortium. And, and it seems, too, like that the, the primary use case, obviously, it won't be limited to this, and Facebook would hope that more and more people would use it. But, like, they're saying, oh, we'll integrate it with Facebook and with Messenger and with WhatsApp. So that means, okay, well, you're tying your identity, your Facebook identity, to this, right? So you are, in very real terms, centralizing and giving this kind of a, a, an access that even if you used, you know, Coinbase or, or you know, other types of, you know, hot wallets or whatever, there would still be conceivably a way where you could, you know, almost use it like cash, whereas in this case, it very much is going to be tied to your persona for good or for mm-hmm. bad, um, which, yeah. you know, I, I, I can't see the 
I, I, okay, actually, I'm of two minds. On one hand, I think that the, the the really diehard kind of libertarian crypto, you know, like going back to like the early era of Bitcoin people, they're they're not going to be into this. But the the whole like you know um, subsystem of like uh, you know get rich uh, quick schemesters and and like hucksters who want to jump on anything. This is blockchain because they think they can make money off of it. They're obviously going to love this because they see this is validating their space and in a way to to maybe get get their their project some attention. So I and, and I, I want to touch on everything you just said, Christina, just because all of us read the article and to kind of just give listeners a little bit of background of what, what we're talking about is if you have a, a, a cryptocurrency technology like blockchain, anyone can go out there, anyone can mine coins, anyone can look at the public ledger. Uh, it's you, you can meet anyone can meet certain requirements and like write to the public ledger. Isn't that correct for that, or am I mistaken? Yeah, for the most part. I mean, it kind of depends. I, yeah. I think it depends on on the kind of currency, but I think a lot of them are uh, permissionless. Uh, right. So, so the problem is here. Like the entire advocacy, something I've advocated for on this show, by the way, is it makes sense to have some currency out there that is decentralized. That is a need. I don't particularly want to invest my money in, but I understand how someone would want that. What is mind-boggling about this is it has none of the advantages of cryptocurrency decentralization Mm because it's 100% Facebook choosing who gets to mine, choosing who gets to run the ledger, choosing who gets to uh, do transactions with it. It is absolutely ridiculous. So it has none of the advantages and all of the downsides for this. If you, I just, I can't even, if you think like bribing public officials is bad now, just uh-huh. wait till a Facebook could dump, uh, like I spent all day today, guys, I spent five hours on the phone calling people for $100, $50, $200 here. Imagine if you can just have a Facebook like dumping a ton of freaking cryptocurrency money uh. towards a public official and they can spend it on whatever they want. How can you track that? How can you oversee that without any kind of mm-hmm. oversight? This is this is terrifying. Yeah. I think it was Casey Newton and the interface who described it as Facebook doing an end run around the global financial system. And I thought yeah. that that was a very apt way oh, completely. of putting it. Well, it. Well, it's interesting, too. So the person, so they, they've created a, a Facebook spinoff of, uh, uh, that they're calling, as you said, uh, Calibra. And um, that is being run by by David Marcus. And David Marcus used to run all of the Messenger uh, platforms and, and, and was really instructive in turning Messenger from a Messenger into a... Uh, WeChat clone. Um, but he uh, worked at PayPal as a vice president uh, for many years. His One of his companies was acquired by PayPal and he was he worked there for a long time. And that to me is is not a coincidence, right? Like you, you no. like, it, it's kind of interesting. It's almost like, okay, you, you hire this guy and maybe non-compete laws and other things in his contract says that you can't immediately let him build a PayPal clone. Um, so he does this other stuff for a while and he basically tries to like reinvent kind of WeChat and integrate everything as he can and make partnerships and whatnot and and, and take on some of the Facebook payment stuff. And now he's like building like if PayPal were to be introduced now versus 20 years ago, this would be the way it would be done, right? And I'm not going to like completely like dismiss the importance of PayPal because for better or worse, it is still for a lot of people, the easiest way to send money in a lot of other countries. It's where how people can process mm-hmm. online transactions. It's done a lot for the world. But my biggest criticism of the company has always been that, you know, they get all of the benefits of being a bank, 
but they are not a bank. And so they're not legally responsible and held the same regulations and the same standards. They can shut down accounts for whatever reason they want, you know, you uh, and, and your money could be tied up for, for six months or a year, you know, there and there are stories about that all the time. And, and, and if, you know, if, if your account is hacked and if people go into it and it's linked, there's not a lot of recourse and things that you have going on. And so, and they don't have, you know, uh, it, they're not FDIC backed. So it, it, if they were to fail or oh. whatever, then, then you don't have the, the same things that, that are, that are longstanding systems have in place. And, and, you know, this is going to be the same thing with, with Facebook. And ironically, you know, PayPal, I think to your earlier points, Mo, these companies don't want to be like, they don't want to miss out on this thing. Like they're mm-hmm. one of the, they're a partner. And I'm sure they're like, well, yeah, look, if you're going to be spending money on this, at least use us as a source, right? Like Venmo, we realize is, is, you know, going to be competing directly against maybe some of this. And so we, we don't want to be like mm-hmm. completely forgotten about but it, but it's worrisome and it, but it's also like I said it's just not a coincidence that the guy they have like overseeing this is somebody who has a lot of experience building banks that aren't banks. Oh. Yeah, that is a very good point. Uh, and I, so, I think when it comes, oh sorry, go on, Bree. No, 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 you haven't talked. Go ahead. I was just gonna say when it comes to the the credit card companies like Visa and Mastercard, I'm like that. The credit card system, the whole credit card system is something that's been around for so long. I, I do think your point that they kind of missed out on a first wave of like a financial revolution is very, very on the nose and that they they are looking for a way to access both Facebook's massive user base and also something that could potentially be big and keep them from being as uh, dinosaur-y as they are. Yeah, no, I think that's really what well said. Um, the only good thing I could possibly say about this ties into its uh, into the thing that's terrible about it because they are going to go out there and choose individual partners to basically mine cryptocurrency. Will mm-hmm. at the very least, it's not going to have the massive energy expenditure right. wasted that traditional that's a good like point, Bitcoin Bree. has. Like that's, but you still should not use this. I, I really no, urge no, definitely not. every rocket listener, I beg you, do not use this. I'm sure not going to. This is, oh, this is so bad. No, I mean, I'm not either. But the problem is, and this is what happens, is that like if this takes off and it'll be a period of time before this is able to, you know, like they're, they're saying it'll be released within the next 18 months or whatever. Like this is, this, this could potentially be the only way that you could pay for things or do things using Facebook or using other platforms. And so at that point, it kind of becomes one of those things where like, cause there are times where I've had to send money or, or, or connect things with Facebook. I try to use PayPal or, or another intermediary if I can, but like I've had to do things that way. And I can, I could conceive of if this becomes mainstream enough, even if you are trying to like resist and mean like, I don't want to be a part of this, if the only way you can buy something, contribute to something, participate in something, send money to someone on something is using this. Sometimes you're, you're, I, I could, like, I think that's the, 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 the risk in things like this is that these network effects are real. That's why the fact that Facebook has a billion and a half users is a real thing. And, and Mark Zuckerberg in his little, you know, letter was talked about the, all the number of people who don't have bank accounts that's who he's going after. If this becomes a known entity, if this becomes a known thing, like we can have our morals all we want, but if I need to get paid or if I need to send money to somebody for some reason, I'm still going to be forced to use this. Like that's the whole, there is no ethical consumption under capitalism problem. Right. 
Um, yeah, I, we're definitely going to be covering this as it continues to develop and as they, I guess, oh. reveal. Like, I, I'm, I'm curious to see the integrations with Messenger that inevitably uh, are going to be part of the rollout of this. So stay tuned to Rocket for more speaking about oh. Facebook Libra. Oh. Wow, we didn't even get into the the attributes that what it shares in common with my sun sign Libra. But look at the watch. There's no time for that. Uh, I have to tell you about Linode. <laughs> <laughs> this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Linode. Uh, with Linode, you can instantly deploy and manage an SSD server on the Linode cloud, and you can get a server running in just seconds with your choice of Linux distro, resources, and node location. Ah. Linode has hundreds of thousands of customers, and they are all looked after by their incredible 24-7 support team. Yeah, guess what? If you ever run into any problems, you just drop them an email or give them a call. Or you can chat with them over IRC in the Linode community if that's what you prefer, whatever suits your life. And they have some super useful guides and support documentation. So if you need to quickly look something up, that is in your power. <laughs> Their new management panel is now in beta at cloud.linode.com. Uh, this new management console is a single-page application built using the cutting-edge React JS stack, and it's backed entirely by their public API. And guess what? Guess what? What? It's open source. Woohoo! <gasps> oh. Plus, they feature two-factor authentication to keep you and all your data safe and secure, and that is so important. You know how I feel about two-factor. Listen to me, folks. Linode has pricing options to suit everyone. <laughs> Their plans start at one gigabyte of RAM for just $5 a month. And they offer high memory plans starting with 16 gigabytes of RAM. And Linode have a special offer just for you. As a listener of this show, you can go to linode.com slash rocket and use the promo code rocket 2019 to get $20 towards any Linode plan on the one gigabyte of RAM plan that's four free months. Four free months. Four months free. Four free months. Four free months. And with a seven-day money-back guarantee, you're winning money. <laughs> you're printing money. But it's legal. Give Linode a try today. That is linode.com slash rocket. L-I-N-O-D-E dot com slash rocket and the code rocket2019. Uh, you can learn more at that address. You can sign up. You can make the most of that $20 credit. Thank you so much, Linode, for supporting Rocket and Relay FM. Wow, we still don't have time to talk about astrology and how real it is, thanks to Mark Zuckerberg, who made it real, because uh, we have to talk about some cool Excel and PowerPoint stuff now. Now, this is actually cool. It is actually. I'm like, yeah. I, I'm, I'm actually, I'm not going to lie. Um, I, I did not even suggest this, audience. This was a brief suggestion. And I'm like, and I, I kind of was was joking. I was like, Office is kind of cool now. And then I thought about it. I was like, Office is kind of cool now. <laughs> well, Office <laughs> is not going to like destroy the world banking system. Like that's that's a plus in its favor. Uh, yeah, this is cool yeah. We'll stuff. call you back when Microsoft starts their own cryptocurrency. Oh, uh, but they've they've done some updates for Excel and for PowerPoint. Um, I want to talk about the PowerPoint one first because I think this is 
the spiciest. Yeah, I, I like this. So apparently this is coming out um, later this summer, but there's going to be like a rehearse mode where when you're rehearsing your presentation, um, PowerPoint will listen to you. And when you say, um, or, uh, or if you drop the F-bomb, it'll like correct you and give you <laughs> feedback. I love this so much. It's called Presenter Coach. Um, I love it and I hate it at the same time. I think, oh boy. So apparently this was a feature that people asked for was an easier way to practice and rehearse. And I think that this is great, but also so, oh my God, I, I can just imagine the trauma of a robot, a robot voice stopping me and telling me that I, I said the F-bomb too many times. Or, or think about the weird way that I kind of sing some words and don't sing others, and I never talk at the same speed. I'm always varying between way too fast and way too slow. Wow. I want to know what PowerPoint thinks about that. I guess, I mean, I, I think this is a good thing overall, and I agree with that. One of the things, like, when you do a lot of call time, your your team will, like, like Brandon once wrote down, he's like, hey, you said, uh, or, um, uh, 33 times on that last call because ah! he was keeping check. So I think it could do that. But You're I, right. And it would be good to have, like, to not make a human being have to do that for you, to right. have a human being look you <laughs> right. in the eye and say, right. you said it 50 times. Right, right. But at the same time, you know, good presenters, it's really more about charisma and thinking about your audience. And I just... I kind of worry because I've seen so many academic presentations where it goes the other way, where they're so focused on what's on the slide or reading off of a sheet to get perfect grammar that they're going to lose that personal connection. So I think it could teach people bad habits. Yeah, I think that's true. But I would say just having had, I've had to coach a lot of people over the years with public speaking, and I've done a fair amount. Um, uh, I've done more, you know, things like this than than straight up talks or whatnot. Um, although in the last year, I've certainly given a lot of PowerPoint presentations. I think that there are a lot of people who it gets in their head about what they're doing, and they can become really nervous. And if anything, that can kind of give them that feedback or make them feel more comfortable. I'm a, I'm, I'm a fan of, I mean, I, I ultimately agree with you. I think that you want to add your own personality into this. You don't want to worry about being too perfect. You don't want it to be too rote, but there are plenty of people who just the idea of standing up in front of an audience and talking is, I mean, it's one of, it's usually listed as, you know, one of the most common fears or whatever. So yeah, I feel like when it comes to public speaking, the people, the majority of people kind of start at negative five, like that's where the baseline is in terms of being comfortable and knowing how to do it well. So in a sense, it can only be a net positive because nothing can go wrong. Um, it can only make people feel more comfortable with it or, or be more aware of their ums. Uh, on the other hand, I'm, I'm not, I, I, I think that there are some limitations for something like this when it comes to just understanding how to like the the valuable parts of being a human speaking to other humans. Oh, without a doubt. Could yeah. Although it's funny, so we get when we I say yes, I don't finish a sentence on my podcast. <laughs> right. Well, no, it's so funny because we get these, you know, like feedback scores when we give talks at, at Microsoft um events and we get to see our scores on the notes. Have you been AI training? The no, presenter coach? I wish I had, but but this is the funny thing. Are right? you sure that they're not using that data? 
Yeah, because they're not recording me. So what <sighs> happens, though, is that is that people who are in the audience will critique you and will give you scores. And I don't always think that people in the audience know that the person who presented is going to immediately see the scores that they've given and the comments. And sometimes oh, the no. comments are really nice, and sometimes they're really, really, really not. And it's interesting how ums and uhs, people get really bothered by that. And I don't even say them that much. I'm pretty good, right? And I think of myself as a pretty natural speaker. And I've definitely had people who've given me that sort of feedback. And I'm like, okay, cool. You know, I'll try to keep that in mind or whatever. But it's certainly not coming from an unprepared place. It's just that I like to to speak more extemporaneously and less on a script. So I wonder how much of that is coming from their knowing that they will have to give feedback and being conscious of like, okay, I, I know I, I'm giving feedback on this. I know what the good things to do in a speech are. And then becoming hyper aware of the ums um, and uhs. You know what? That might be part of it a lot. I mean, people will complain that the room is too cold, right? Like they will give you a zero score because the room is cold. I'm like, I have no control over that, but sorry. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's also a fact like GDC does the same thing and women are, you know, there's just double standards, right? Especially uh, things if you're talking about how women in the industry are treated. Uh, it's it's not a perfect thing, like going for feedback scores in the tech industry. But overall, this is a fantastic tool. I'm really excited it's being done. Yeah, and the other thing, and this is like a similar vein, this came out a couple of weeks ago. It came out, I think, in the spring for Android and now it's out for iOS. I love this. This is AI that I actually appreciate seeing in my products. Most of the time I'm like, this is creepy. This is actually useful. So Excel for iOS now has this feature where you can take a photo of like a tabulated, you know, like a table or whatever uh, that's printed out and crop it and it'll turn it into, it'll add that data to an Excel table. It'll, yeah, it'll turn it into an editable Excel spreadsheet on your phone, which can be then synced with Excel on a iOS and Mac, or sorry, OS, Mac OS, <laughs> Mac OS and Windows. <laughs> oh, goodness, because uh, it's available on Android as well. Uh, I, that that I is pretty this. cool. That's cool ass technology. I feel about this the way that I feel about the uh, Google Translate thing where you can hold it up, hold the camera up to text and it'll live translate it yeah. to another language. Yes, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, this is like a lot of times the AI stuff, I'm like, this is creepy, right? But in this case, I'm like, okay, you know what? This is actually making my life easier. The same with the, you know, listening to feedback and correcting you stuff. It's like, okay, I could see how some people might not love this, but this is a good way of using AI and machine mm-hmm. learning to actually make our stuff better. Verge user Ruben Sierra says, sounds like a way for someone to steal info a lot easier. I mean, Maybe. I'm, yeah, that's I mean, fair. that's given me good ideas. Yeah, but also, like, you could just take a photo anyway. Like, this is just going to make it easier to edit, I guess, in your Excel <laughs> document. But like, <laughs> but like, <laughs> cu- 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 to me, kind of seems like, oh no, I'm, I'm, I'm taking a photo of this rather than than having to take the extra however many minutes to put it in my Excel spreadsheet. It's like he's already got the data. Christina, it was really hard to take all of my film to Safeway and get it developed so that I could steal information from people <laughs> that everyone has been judging me for years. This is a big deal for me. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Bree, did you have anything to add? Uh, no, I'm excited about this. And Microsoft Office is sexy again. Very happy wow. about that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Brief, brief, brief little update. I saw this right before the, the show started. The uh, my, the Windows terminal, which uh, Simone uh, and I dubbed the, the, the sexy terminal, uh, 
is I think that was all you, baby. Okay, well, you definitely were part of it. You agreed. I think you were actually the one who called it that, actually. <laughs> that sounds like a Simonism, to be totally honest. Anyway, it has a new icon. And the icon, again, like, I kind of can't believe this, but I live in a world where I'm, I'm legit excited about the Windows terminal. Like, I, I, I'm i not even Hot like, terminal. Joking. Hot terminal. Yeah. Love the hot terminal. <laughs> All right. Uh, shall we move on to dessert? Yes. Let's do it. Let's do it. So this, uh, digging deep deep into rocket lore, <laughs> uh, the Spice Girls are on tour again now, as you will know if you listen to our previous episode about the romance between Ginger and Sporty Spice, <laughs> or not the romance, the fling. It wasn't Sporty, it was scary. The one time. Sorry, scary. Oh, my God. The other oh, Mel. The one time fling. Mel C, one not Mel um, the Spice Girls are on tour again, and at their concert recently, Jerry Hallowell, Scary, Sporty, Ginger, Ginger Spice. Ginger. Oh my God, I'm I'm 80 years old, you guys. Ginger Spice <laughs> said she regrets leaving the Spice Girls. She apologized for having left the Spice Girls way back when, all those years ago. It's finally happened. I I gotta admit, I've been pissed at her for twenty two. Totally, years now. totally. <laughs> I mean, like, legitimately. No, pissed. because anytime I see her on Twitter, I'm just like, uh, uh-uh. uh, no, I'm still through with you're you. You're tweeting yeah. when you left yeah. the Spice Girls. Well, okay, this is why, like, I I am honestly kind of mad at her for shading Victoria Beckham because it's like, look, Posh has a career and a really hot husband and a lot of money and like her own thing, and she really was look she was really pretty but she was never like you know one of the iconic kind of members in the same way she never had a solo or whatever so like don't hate on her for not showing up on this reunion tour as much as i would personally love it she was always only a face right and and like she's gone on to do other things but also you know what posh was there the entire damn time she didn't leave like at, at at the height of everything like she 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 didn't like peace out like she's still like like stuck around so but um what i do want to mention about this this was the thing that honestly made my life was adele who is the biggest spice girls fan in the world like <laughs> legit she is like she, really yeah yeah no good she's you know like 31 and so she was like you know a little girl when they were huge and they were you know she's british they were like her icons like literally and she's always said like how much she loves them she went to their concert at wembley and took all these instagrams and she got to get a photo with them and she was singing along and honestly it was the most pure thing i've ever seen in my life where you see somebody who's legit like considered one of the top three performers probably of the last 25, 30 years and 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 is certainly one of the biggest forces in music, has the best-selling, like, you know, most sell, sold album of, of, of all time, like opening week sales. And she's like freaking out about the Spice Girls reunion tour. And that, to me, I kind of like never changed it all. Like that honestly like made me so happy. Yeah, all the tweets are like, it's been, I've been mad about this for 20 years. <laughs> and I finally have closure. <laughs> it's so good. So the best part of her quote, she's talking about how, yeah, I was just being a brat back yeah. then. And it's like, yeah, let's just look at the history of all the Spice Girls that went on to do solo albums. Okay, you've got Emma B, where she did this one great song with the New Circles. I yep. still listen to all the time. It's a fantastic song. But all the rest of the solo albums suck. And like, Except what did you think? Okay. Mel, Mel B had I turned to you. She had a couple of big hits, actually. Okay, that was I. I like that one, but I don't. 
It's not a song I still listen to no, 20 either. years I, later. I, me yeah. either, but I'm just saying, like, if we wanted to be honest, like, or, sorry, that's Mel C. Mel C, I, see, I've got it wrong. Is Mel C, Whoa, but, boy. I, I know. Ooh. Mel C was the one who, uh, uh, like, but she had, like, the club hits. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but my point here is, like, what did Ginger think? Yeah. Like, she was going to leave the Spice Girls and go have, become the Paul freaking McCartney of solo, like, projects? Like, right. come on. I like, mean, give I, me a break. Well, no joke. Yeah. It's like, she, well, she looked at Belinda Carlisle, and she was like, that went really well. <laughs> um, right. I, I do love this, absolutely, though, because, of course, that's something you think when you're uh, – in your early 20s and you're in one of the most successful pop groups of the world like of course you do something this short-sighted and just you know pop off on your own yeah no totally i mean the thing is that like diana ross left the supremes beyonce left destiny's child but like they left after an appropriate period of time you know what i mean like Beyonce waited until they had a freaking greatest hits album and like they had run their course and they'd gone through like 18 different members, right? Like it was basically mm-hmm. at that point, it was just like, you know, Michelle was, we were finally accepting that she was going to stick around for a while, but like, you know, and, and to be totally fair, like Beyonce could have left way early in Destiny's Child thing. She didn't. And, and so you respect that Justin Timberlake, like, you know, it was a couple of years after NSYNC's last thing where he was like, cool, I'll do my own album. Like, he gave it a break. Like, I, I get why Ginger's like, I've got all the buzz. Jerry Hollowell's going to be huge. Robbie Williams did it. Why can't I? And it's like, because Take That was never big like Spice Girls. <laughs> like, it's different, you know? Yeah. And the, the thing that gets me is, like, if you think about the Spice Girls, like, you, you had Wannabe. That was their yep. first really big album. It was huge. Like, you have Massive. It was 97 when that came out, right? Like, unbelievably big that year. But then their follow-up album, Spice World, they really only had two albums. Spice Up Your Life. In that entire time. Say what? Spice Up Your Life was on Spice World. That I know it was. Then, I, yeah. I know. That's, what, that's oh, why right. I was singing it. I was just... Yeah, I, yeah. I was just... Even one of the songs on that album was from a freaking Pepsi commercial. Generation oh, yeah. Next, they literally just dropped their Pepsi commercial on there and never made another album. No, I mean, well, and, well, basically, yeah. well, they did Forever, right? right. Which, which was well, right after. Well, that was right after Jerry left, and and then yeah, we had to have that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it. Uh, it <laughs> I I think we can all agree. It's not their that best. This, no, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I will say this. I think we can all agree that this is a big moment. This is a huge moment. I will say this. So when Napster like got a court injunction and was taken down off the internet or it was supposed to be or whatever. And we were all like really sad. Um, I I was in high school and I used my very limited internet, which was dial up and not that fast because we didn't have cable yet. Like cable internet wasn't in my neighborhood yet to download goodbye by the spice girls Oh God! (laughs) because it's not a great song at all. But I was like, it, it, it's fitting, you know, because I was like really emo about like, Napster went away because I didn't realize how soon it would be before we had Kazaa and, and LimeWare yeah. and, and Morpheus. Like, I didn't realize, like, how quickly, like, we would have better pirating options. And I was, like, really sad that I wasn't going to get to steal music anymore. Little did I know, right? But That's like, such a Teen Christina mood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for, for airing this with me. Anna, can, can we talk about what we're doing this week? Sure. Hey, Brianna, what are you doing this week? 
Uh, so the wing is opening in Boston. Uh, if you don't know what this is, it's like, uh, it's kind of a co-working space for women professionals. It's invite only. Uh, I'd never heard of this until uh, I had a lunch in uh, San Francisco. Lena Dunham's one of the co-founders, I believe. Oh, I didn't know that. I'm just not going to comment on that. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm but- just pointing it out because that's why I know about it because I've been to the one in New York, but yeah. Oh, okay. Um, that's mm. something. Um, but I don't think she's one of the co-founders because I've read articles about them. There are like two women who are the co-founders. She might be like an investor or something. Well, a- anyway, uh, so uh, I found out about this. Like I had uh, a meeting with Ellen Powell in San Francisco at it. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm in this building for five minutes and I want to just go like, flip over a bus. Like it's a super awesome space. I just really liked it. And uh, they're opening up one in Boston. So nice. that's why we're recording early today that uh, I'm a member and I'm a VIP there for this thing tomorrow. So I'm going to go help that's some so uh, cool. women with professional development. Uh, so yeah. no, I love it. So, so Selena Dunham is not a co-founder, but she was an early member and her best friend, Audrey Gelman is one of the co-founders. And Audrey was the inspiration for Marnie on girls. Yeah. Oh, wow. Deep. Uh, it runs deep. I've talked to her a bit lately because uh, the MBTA, which is the Boston subway, actually banned ads for the wing because they said it was political with women what? trying to make a co-working space for ourselves. They said it was political, and uh, which is, you know, timestamp horseshit. Um, so, you know, I've been chatting with her. Like, we put out press releases. We're like, we don't support this. This is ridiculous. So, anyway, that's what I'm doing this week. Also, the end of quarter is coming up uh, for fundraising. So, uh, anyone of our listeners, if you want to support someone who will actually regulate Facebook uh, in this cryptocurrency scheme, you can do that. So, that's what I'm Hell up to. yeah. Christina, what about you? Uh, well, I, um, I'm, I'm raising uh, money uh, in Bitcoin only for Brianna's campaign. <laughs> Get out. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, no, I've just got some work going on. Um, it's at the end of our uh, fiscal year, so we're just kind of tying up some loose ends and stuff and uh, doing some some videos. It is – the weather here is weird. It is, like, both hot but then also sometimes cold and kind of rainy. It's It's been a weird summer so far, so – um, yeah, just uh, just chilling. I, uh, I recorded. I'm not sure when it'll be up, but I recorded an episode of the of the Incomparables uh, podcast uh, the other night about uh, the Dark Knight Rises, and uh, was which you know is is actually like Dark Knight is one of my favorite films. But uh, it reminds me that uh, this week, as we're recording this, is the 30th anniversary of Tim Burton's Batman, and that just uh-huh. is both horrifying and kind of amazing. And I, I encourage everyone in the audience, even if you don't like the movie, which I kind of find hard to believe because it's not the best Batman, but it's a very watchable movie, to like watch the movie that is basically responsible for all of modern film history, I would say, at this point in time. Like, it, it all sums back to, to Tim Burton's Batman. So in, in, enjoy it as we go to the movies and the literally the only thing you can see are like superhero action films because it, it all goes back to Batman. That is absolutely nuts. I got to ask you before we move on. Are you team Dark Knight Rises or team Dark Knight? Dark Knight, but but I like Dark Knight Rises. But Dark Knight, I think, is like one of my favorite films of all time. I, I have to agree with that. It's hard because like I think, I think I think Dark Knight Rises is a better story, but Dark Knight is just such a fantastic film. It's a great yeah. film. I mean, it changed everything. It was like one of the first like serious 
there's a whole episode of The Incomparable about that where you can hear me and other people basically, and a few haters, which is very good because otherwise <laughs> it would have been just a bunch of us like salivating over the, the you know, uh, like being t- completely sycophantic to this to the film. But um, uh, there's an episode of that on The Incomparable that came out, I think, last week about The Dark Knight because uh, we were going through the whole Nolan trilogy. So I love it. You know why I can't get past is like the scene where, uh, you know, Aaron Eckhart is under Gotham City and like he's like the Joker's trying to kill him. Yeah. And you watch the scene and you can see as they hit him one direction, Aaron Eckhart falls the other way. <gasps> it completely breaks the scene because they're just, the editing is just wrong for the whole sequence. You will never oh, no. unsee it when you watch this. Okay, I'll have forward. to go back and watch that. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Well, I have bad news, which is that I started playing Pokemon Go again. Oh, no. So that's what I've been doing all week long. And it's what I will continue to do. Guess what? It's good now. Um, I can't stop playing it. And ever since I downloaded it again, I've actually been on Instagram way less, which I kind of like as a side effect. Uh, Also, I am in desperate pursuit of strong Pokemon so that I can be a Pokemon master. It's literally... I, I'm obsessed. I, I don't know what's wrong with me. So I play a lot of Pokemon Go because my husband is beyond addicted to this game. And huh. in the evenings, we'll like roll down my Boxster top and drive around Box uh, uh, Boston and just take over every gym in sight. So Hell yeah. I'm going to send you my friend code. We should do oh that. Oh my God, please I do. Because I need, I need people to send gifts to. Like because I am on a, you know, a recent kick, yep. I am constantly on it trying to send gifts to people. And, no and one's everyone's on. inboxes are always full. They all have unopened gifts from me already. Ready. Well, yeah, I have too many gifts because nobody I, has I, like played in in three years. Um, no, everyone's playing. Everyone at Polygon is playing again. Okay, three. Okay, okay. So I have lots of friends. Good. I'm glad. But 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 tell me this: Why is everybody mad at at Pokemon right now? Oh, it's so silly. Um, so basically, the new Pokemon game, Sword Shield, that is coming to the Nintendo Switch this year. Uh, they are not importing the full Pokédex. Okay. Um, it's a fully 3D game. It's the first, like, full-fledged Pokémon game for the Switch. Uh, and people are upset because there are over 800 Pokémon from previous games, you know, not counting the new ones. Right. That have been announced. Uh, and those Pokémon... I, I, I believe that there, there is a cutoff or something. Like, some of them are going to be in, but they're not bringing the national Pokédex, which is all of the 800-something. Um, and people are very upset, like hardcore Pokemon people are like, Game Freak is lazy, which is uh, categorically wrong. Um, yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> you 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 make 800 3D, fully, like, immersive, workable yeah, Pokemon. Yeah, you balance like, that game. <laughs> yeah, seriously, like, come on. No. Okay, I, I, I'm not trying to, I'm not angry at them about this, but from my perspective, I worked my absolute butt off for a year of travel, working to max out and complete my Pokedex in uh, for, what was it? It was the one before Omega, uh, Alpha Omega. It was the one before that. It was uh, Alpha Omega where I maxed it all out, the one after Pokemon XY. I worked so hard on that. Sure. And then you pay the money, you upload it to the Pokemon Bank so you can have it in like future Pokemon games. And it's, you gotta, it's, it's disappointing that I'm not going to be able to bring every single Pokemon into the Switch game because that's what I would like to be able to do. I understand it, but I also understand why people would be frustrated because it's a lot of work. I mean, I get that, but like 
presumably they're still going to be in your online Pokedex thing. And, and you could, I mean, they could bring out other games where they might bring those things and you might be able to use them. Like, this isn't like this is the last Pokemon game. I hope not. <laughs> I mean. Oh, God, no. I mean. It, yeah, it kind of feels like it's disappointing, of course, but it also feels like at some point this would have to happen just because they introduced so many new ones for each game. Um, I, I found the uh, the exact detail, which is that there are going to be 151, as there were in the first Pokemon game. Right, which is good. Um, some new ones, and then I, presumably some old ones, but they haven't yet announced which of the old ones will make it in. And and how much do you want to bet? Like, honestly, this would be the greatest and the most typical Nintendo troll. They announced this. Everybody goes up in arms. And then, like, a year from now, they just have, like, add-on packs where you can continue to get to add more of the Pokemon over. Yeah. I mean, maybe, yeah. If the problem is them just taking the time to create models for all of these, theoretically, given enough time, they could put them in. Uh, I still think it's a weird balance issue, but yeah. Who knows? All right. Well, I'll continue playing Pokemon Go, which only has three generations of what Pokemon in it. What level are you? I'm 24 or 26. 24? Okay, you got some work to do. Oh, I, I do. I'm I'm so mad. So I... This game is so simple, right? Like, mm-hmm. anyone who played it in 2016 knows how simple it is. You just catch Pokemon, and then you tap on other Pokemon to fight them. Now you can actually have them select a move to do as well. But it's still not very complicated. I open it up, and I'm trying to ask my coworker, Russ Frushtick, like, okay, when I'm tra- transferring a Pokemon out for candy, should I look at the kinds of attacks that they have, or should I look at its combat power? Like, what's more important? And he just laughed and said, oh, you're 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 three months away from thinking about that. Oh. Don't even... <laughs> don't even think about that right now. All you have That's to do is catch Pokemon. That's a little condescending. I was wow. going to say. <laughs> but he's right, though. He's right. As I've leveled up, I've caught stronger and stronger Pokemon. Um, so it really... Yeah, I'm, I'm working on a long game strategy for Pokemon Go right now. And that's my freaking life. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, if you're serious about it, you should invest in a uh, Pokemon Go uh, Plus. Uh, it's this little module. I hang mine off my Apple Watch when I do it, and I just drive around, and it's like, bloop, and you catch stuff constantly. It oh, helps you yeah. level up really fast. It's a good gadget. I do want that. I mean, shoot, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, where can we find you online, Bri? Uh, Space Cat Gal on the Twitter machine. Uh, no, can... no, no, Brianna Wu. Brianna Wu. Thank Whoa. you, Christina. I appreciate that. Brianna Wu on the Twitter machine, developer Brianna Wu. And uh, you can read about my congressional campaign at BriannaWuForCongress.com. What about you, Christina? Uh, you can find me at film underscore girl on the Twitters and the Instagrams. And you can find my videos that I do for work. Um, and uh, please combat the people who were mad at me for mentioning Taylor Swift last week because, no, I'm going to mention Taylor Swift any damn time I want uh, at uh, YouTube.com slash Microsoft Developer. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm at youtube.com slash polygon and, of course, on Twitter at Doom Quasar. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Rocket. If you like it, please give it a rating on Apple Podcasts. That helps people find the show. It keeps it visible, uh, which helps us, you know, keep on trucking. Thank you so much. This episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 Terminated.